Please turn to the uh, epistle of 1 John today. The uh, book of 1 John is, which there are uh, one of my favorite books, of course, as I said before. Hard to pick a favorite, but certainly uh, one that I enjoy and keep coming back to again and again. So if you would uh, please turn to that. And I'll be reading the entire chapter. First John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. The major themes of... 1 John are summed up in two simple words. Uh, Two words, I'm sorry to say, that most Christians don't seem to understand as to their meaning. At least many Christians don't. And therefore, they really have no clue as to how they fit together. The words are truth and love. Truth and love are the major themes of John's first epistle. Now, John is very unique. Uh, He devotes more of his writing to truth and love, those two subjects, than any other biblical writer. And John's key message is this. And please, if you don't remember anything else I say today, please remember this. To love someone is to put God's commandments into action. It's not, the Bible speaks of love Uh, Most often, it's not speaking of emotionalism or romantic love. It's speaking of putting God's commandments into action uh, as far as treating your neighbor as you wish you would be treated, you would be treated, etc. To love someone is to put God's commandments into action. Uh, Now, I don't expect you to, to accept that without biblical support, so please turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, 
Let's begin with verse 7. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Let me repeat that. Verse 10, love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Let's go back to the book of 1 John, and this time let's look at chapter 2, 1 John 2. And we can begin with. I'll tell you what. Let's let's uh, let, let's look at first five first. First John chapter two verse five. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Now look right above that, in verse three of First John chapter two verse three. And hereby we do know that we love him, if we keep his commandments. Now let's put those together. What it's saying is, if you want to reflect the perfect love of God in your life, keep his commandments. And if you, how you know that you love him, you keep his commandments. If you ache for the assurance in your soul that you're a child of God, keep his commandments. When you keep his commandments, when you treat others in accord with what he tells you in the Bible, 1 John 2, 5, Whoso keeps his word, in him truly is the love of God perfected. Love works no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And hereby we know that hereby, First uh, John 2, 3, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So when you keep his commandments, God's unbreakable personal promise to you is you will know in your heart, the very depths of your soul, your mind, that you are his precious child. Keep his commandments and enjoy the blessings. What is this saying? You know, people talk about, well, assurance and how do I know I'm a child of God? And sometimes I don't feel like I'm a child of God. Sometimes I don't feel his presence, etc. Well, I have a lot to say about that. But what I want to focus on is here he's giving you an objective test of whether you're a child of God. Do you have the desire to keep his commandments? See, unbelievers don't have the desire to keep his commandments. In fact, Scripture says they they want to pull you into their sin, and they're happy when you do. But if you have a desire to keep his commandments, if you want to keep... I'm not saying you always keep his commandments. No one does. But if you... When you break them, you grieve, and you pray, and you ask him for strength, 
not to sin again, particularly that, that particular sin, whatever it may be. If, you're the, if you have that, this passage is telling you that that is an objective assurance that you are a child of God. Because unbelievers don't have that. You are a believer if you have that. Do you sin a lot? Yes. We all sin a lot. But the child of God has it in his heart, knowing that he's breaking the law of God. Of course, all, all we know that from Romans. They all, all even unbelievers know they're breaking the law of God. But the believer grieves over it and prays and asks the Lord to, to bring him back into obedience. It's an objective test as to whether you're a child of God. See, well, let's go. I, I said the, the, the message of First John, uh, his, his uh, uh, themes are truth and love. Now, often places that, oh, how do I say this? Places that advertise themselves as Christian churches? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm trying to be careful and circumspect here, but I want to be accurate as well. Anyway, places that say they're Christian churches, they often deny... Uh, uh, that that truth and love coexist. Um, they call it legalism. You know, if they if if they're not outright enemies, they say they're certainly strangers. The message you'll often hear is, "Well, truth is is you know head head knowledge, okay, and therefore that means it's cold, it's analytic, it's black and white, and of course that leads to arrogance and pride." But love is the domain of the heart. And by the heart, they don't mean the mind, by the way, which the, Christian, uh, which the scripture means almost all the time. But they say, well, love is the domain of the heart. And by the heart, they mean the emotions. It's warm, accepting. Um, it it, it uh, realizes that there are always shades of gray. And, that, and what the, that leads to humility and to service of others. So head knowledge leads to arrogance and pride. But heart knowledge, love... Uh, leads to humility and service to others. How many times have you heard that and said in either in that, those ways or in, in, you know, virtually in so many other ways? Okay, it's, it's very appealing. Sure. I mean, who wants to be cold and analytical and arrogant and prideful? You know, wouldn't you rather be warm and accepting and, and uh, humble and give service to other people? But it's a false separation. Okay? It's false. It's a lie. If you study your Bible and you believe what it says about what truth and love really are, you'll realize there's no conflict between them at all. In fact, you will find truth without love is meaningless and love without truth is meaningless. The book of James makes that very clear. Now, what do I mean? I mean that belief in truth produces love. For example, when you're convicted of the truth of the Bible... By the way, the truth of the Bible are propositions. You often, I don't want to go on a tangent here, but you often hear, well, the Bible isn't about uh, believing things, it's about uh, accepting Christ's uh, Christ, and it's about a person. Uh, okay, well, what does that mean? That means different things to different people, doesn't it? If you have no propositions to define who Christ is, uh, You know, I've talked to people who tell me they believe in Christ, and I get to talking to them, and they're talking about a Christ that has nothing to do with the Bible. What they call Christ, um, you know, could be the, uh, as someone once said to me, uh, they believed in the cosmic Christ. You know, that, uh, that, 
whatever that means, but it has nothing to do with, with scripture. Uh, so to, to be a Christian means to believe in propositions. Yes, you believe in the person of Christ, but what is, who is the person of Christ? Who is Christ? He's defined by the Bible. What is the Bible? The Bible is propositions, statements of truth. What is a proposition? A statement. Okay. So you believe certain statements to be true. Uh, and that produces a change in your life, different from the demons that l- believe and tremble because it doesn't produce any change in their life. They believe facts. Uh, they believe that Christ is the Son of God, but they hate him. And so <clears throat> it's not just that. But the belief in the propositions and then the Holy Spirit <clears throat> excuse me, causes you to believe, but it also, uh, or he also causes you to, uh, 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 he changes your heart. Okay. When you are convicted of the truth of the Bible, through meaning believing in propositions, the Holy Spirit produces love for the Lord in your heart, if you're his, to begin with, love for your brethren in Christ, love for your neighbor. So, love for the Lord, you love yourself. Love for the Lord, love for your brethren in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, and love for your neighbor. That is unbelievers, as separated from brothers and sisters in Christ. Genuine service to others comes out of this. Out of what? Conviction of the truth of the Bible. Have you ever met someone who is extremely knowledgeable about biblical doctrines, but shows no desire for service to others? That's what these people are talking about when they say, well, that's head knowledge. Okay, And I agree. There are people like that. A lot of people like that. Uh, particularly, sadly, in the, in the Reformed uh, tradition, um, that's, uh, that's, that happens a lot. Because I think because we study our Bible more than, I hate to sound prideful here, but I, I think I'm stating objective fact, we study our Bible more than uh, um, Arminians do and others. And uh, so we look at hard doctrines and uh, we, we, you know, we have a tendency, some of us, to be extremely knowledgeable about biblical doctrines but showing no desire or very little desire to serve other people. Uh, those people are too busy reading to serve. They're spending, instead of going out and helping people, they're spending time in, in their books. Okay. Uh, there's the old saying, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. They're not fulfilling the law to love others. And what does that mean? What have we just read? 1 John 2, 4, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And, of course, it's repeated again. Or it's, or it's, uh, that's a repeat from uh, what has just been said in uh, 1 John 1. So if you don't keep his commandments, you're a liar, and the truth is, is not in you. If you don't fulfill the law to love others, which is to treat them, according to the law of God, you're showing you're not a child of God, aren't you? Isn't that what, that, isn't that what we, we've just pointed out? Hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments, and love is the fulfilling of the law from Romans. Therefore, uh, if I can put those together, we know that we know him if we fulfill the law. Treating others as, as we would be treated, loving our neighbor in serving him according to treating him according to the law. A person who simply reads a lot, memorizes doctrines, but shows little or no evidence of the outward expression of truth, which is love, fulfilling the commandments to others, doesn't really know truth at all. If they're arrogant and prideful and put other people down because they don't know as so other people don't know as much as they do, 
they're showing they're not really a child of God. Love is the outward evidence that a person knows truth. Did you catch that? Love is the outward evidence that a person knows truth. So somebody who is who can recite doctrines backwards and forwards and is putting other people down and is not the kind of person you really want to be around and is not showing no love for others they're saying that I mean they're they're indicating that they don't really know truth at all love is the outward evidence that a person knows truth please turn to the book of James James chapter 2 if you would Let's look at James chapter 2, and let's start with verse 15. Oh, let's start with 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. And we can go on, I just quoted this, uh, paraphrased it. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works, Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show me thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Etc. Now, a lot of, a lot of Reformed folks don't like that because they don't understand it. Uh, but it's certainly in, 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 uh, it's not contradicting anything else in Scripture. Uh, it's simply saying that if you say you have faith, but you show nothing on the outside uh, in the way you treat others uh, that uh, indicates any love for other people, any treating them according to the law, then you're saying you're, you're, you don't have faith, is what James is saying. Uh, your outward actions prove your inward faith. On the other hand, there is such a thing as heart knowledge without head knowledge, if I can use their their terminology, which I don't like at all. Scripture calls it zeal without knowledge. Love without truth as its foundation. That's meaningless as well. It's also dangerous and destructive as well. It's like a speeding car without a driver. Here's an example. Can you imagine being married to someone who made decisions based solely on how they felt at that particular moment? disregarding the truth of, say, their marriage vows or the responsibility as a parent or their responsibility to tell the truth. That's a person that has zeal without knowledge. That would be a nightmare of a marriage. We can't allow our feelings or emotions to rule our thoughts or actions, even if we think the feelings are from God. I mean, can you imagine somebody saying, well, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do in my marriage. Uh, You know, if I'm attracted to somebody, that's fine. I'll do whatever I want to do and lie about it and or my responsibility as a parent or whatever it is, my responsibility. uh, That would be a nightmare. 
Uh, and yet that's what the zeal without knowledge or this uh, appeal to heart knowledge as opposed to head knowledge uh, is all about. J.I. Packer said, quote, confidence that one's impressions are God-given is no guarantee that this is really so, even when they persist and grow stronger through long seasons of prayer. Bible-based wisdom must judge them. Bible-based wisdom must judge them. You have to test every feeling, every idea, every leading that you think might be of the Lord against his written revelation in the Bible. If you operate on what you think is love without being grounded in the truth of the Bible, you don't have either love or truth. You have zeal without knowledge, which the Bible condemns. The word of God is truth. Jesus said in John 17, 7, Sanctify them, that is all of his people, through thy truth, thy word is truth. Notice what he said, by the way. Not only, we often say, well, thy word is truth. Yes, we believe that. Notice what he said quite before that. Sanctify them through thy truth. Do you want sanctification in your life? Do you want to live more and more as the Lord wants you to live? Do you want to walk more and more as you should? Then know the Bible. That's what Christ is saying saying to to the Father, sanctify them, the believers, that's you and me, through thy truth. And what is thy truth? Thy word is truth. Sanctify them through the Bible, is what he's saying. So the way we get sanctification is primarily through the word, or it is, I'm sorry, it is through the word of God. Let me say that again in a more accurate way. The way we are sanctified is through knowing the word of God, the Bible. The written Bible. Not feelings, not emotions. That's not sanctification. Sanctification comes through the written word of God, the Bible and the Bible alone. So unless you are bathed in the word, you don't know truth. The Bible, you don't know truth. Unless you're steeped in the Bible, you don't know truth. Love needs truth to have any meaning at all. It's dangerous without it. In other words, the outward expression of truth is love. I'm saying this in you know, 50 different ways here, but it's the same thing. The outward expression of truth is love. Love needs truth as its defining foundation. Otherwise, love becomes meaningless, erratic, a bunch of unpredictable erratic acts based on emotion, and there's no reference to God's law. Love can't be defined without God. God is love. But love cannot operate apart from him, for he is truth as well as love. You have to have the Bible, the Word of God, to tell you how to express love. You have to have know the Bible to tell you to know how to express love. Okay, can I put that back together again? You have to know the Bible to know how to express love. There, I finally got that out. We use the word love. How many of us have defined it? I hope you've gotten some, some, but I hope you understand now what the scripture is saying when it talks about love. We go back to what Romans said, love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Romans 13.10, 1 John 2.5, but whoso keepeth his word in him verily, truly, is the love of God perfected. And the test to know that you're a child of God is found in 1 John 2, 3, and hereby we do know that we know him, 
if we keep his commandments, which is love. You know, there are different definitions of love. I love the Lord. I love my wife. I love my dog. I love my friends. I love good books and music. I love a good meal. I love to help people. I love to teach. I love to preach. I love myself. You know, they're all called love, but they're quite different. But the Bible doesn't toss around the word loosely. It speaks of the love of God, and through that, the love we're to have for others. And love is the keeping of God's commandments. Um, okay, I'll give you a couple more. Second um, John 1, 6. This is love that we walk according to his commandments. Second John 1, 6. This is love that we walk according to his commandments. I mean, how many times does the Bible, does God have to say it? He said it in Romans 13, 10. Love works no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is a fulfilling of the law. Love is the fulfilling of the law. 1 John 2, 5, Whoso keeps his word in him truly, verily, is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And then I've just read 2 John 1, 6, This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. Love, as God's words defines it, means that we keep his commandments. And his commandments include treating each other as we would be treated. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Truth, we know. Truth comes by Christ. Uh... God's word is, uh, I read that on uh, John 1, uh, 17, but we know even more that Christ himself is truth. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, Christ said. I am the truth, he said. The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth in John 14, 17, and 1526, and in in 1613, three times the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. And John, um, um, Jesus said, of course, as we just read it, that the Word of God is truth. Not a truth, mind you. Not a truth, but truth itself. The Word of God does not contain truth. The Bible does not contain truth, as liberal theologians claim. If you ever hear that, somebody say, well, the Word of God, or, or the Bible contains the Word of God. Or the Bible contains truth. That little word contains it speaks volumes because that tells you the person does not believe the scripture uh, is inerrant and infallible because the Bible is the word of God. 1 Timothy 3.15 The church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. The church is not the truth. The scripture is the truth, and the church is the pillar and ground of. It's the repository of the truth. The church is the protector, and it's the, it's the uh, uh, foundation, the pillar and ground okay, of the truth. The church is the body of Christ. Christ is the word of God. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The beginning was the logos. Uh, if you want to be very technical the beginning was the logic of god uh, but we won't we won't go that way. someday we'll go that way but god's word if you want to know more about that particular little tidbit um there's a book on the logos um, by dr gordon clark and i'm blanking on the name of the book but you can look it up dr gordon clark uh has, has several 
books that, that uh, talk about this, but one in particular is on the Logos, uh, and that uh, is identified in John. Christ is the truth because Christ is God's word. Christ is God's word. In beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. If we believe, in conclusion, if we believe God's word, which is faith, we show it by serving others. If we, our belief is faith, and we show our faith by serving others. What we do outwardly is the evidence of what we believe inwardly. What we do outwardly is the evidence of what we believe inwardly. None of us can say we show enough love for others. Every time you show love in action, obeying God, his commandments, you are acting as Christ's healing hands. You are acting as Christ's feet, his eyes, his words. He is ministering to others through you. I have an assignment for you. Your assignment is to pray and think about how will what you have heard and read from Scripture today change what you will do for others this week and from now on. How is that going to change you? And do it. Amen.